0: Like the Carter Bill of Rights the Constitution what's it worth
1: you know they're gonna grind us down uh, until it really hurts is this a sovereign nation or just a police state you better look out people or it gets too late. Hi, and welcome to Stand and Deliver. I'm Kimberly Miller, Director of Citizens for Free Speech. And joining me today is Mary Baker, our National Training Director, and our special guest this uh, um, episode today is Bill Martinez. And Bill is a, a nationally syndicated talk show host, and he's committed to solutions over partisanship, involvement over invalidation and the united states over party politics and boy does that um, ring true to us here at citizens for free speech where we are all about um, activation at the local level solutions and um, getting involved in um, exercising all of our rights and most importantly free speech and so today we've invited bill to join us so that we can talk about censorship and what is the antidote to that, which we believe here at Citizens for Free Speech is more speech and um, more ideas and, and more sharing of information to bring um, bring about the best society that we can. And uh, in that, there's a lot of um, uh, information that we want to unpack, unpack in there related to uh, censorship and also related to uh, what does it mean to have a free and open society? What is it that we're, we're really hoping to achieve? And um, how do we vet the best ideas? And so, to begin that conversation, Mary, I'm going to turn it over to you and um, some information that, or a quote that you came across recently, and that kind of sets the stage for this conversation.
2: Great. Thanks. Hey, Kimberly. Um, welcome to the show, Bill. Thank um, I'm you. glad you're here. So, yeah, this is a great quote by Justice William Brennan. Um he he wrote this in the US Supreme Court case of March 9th, the 1964 New York Times versus Sullivan. And this is the quote. The free speech clause of the First Amendment means a profound national commitment to the principle that debate on public issues should be uninhibited, robust and wide open, and that it may well include vehement, caustic, and sometimes unpleasantly sharp attacks on government and public officials. And so we wanna use this quote as the basis for our discussion today. I mean, what we have today, as as it appears they had in this case, is free speech versus government censorship. And, uh, we just thought we could start with some comments by you, Bill, about, about this and then move into more discussion about, um, you know, a free and open society and, uh, the, the necessary free speech and free expression that goes along with that.
0: Well, uh, for me, and thank you so much, uh, Kimberly Mary, for uh, inviting me to be part of this. It's, it's an honor to have this conversation with you. Uh, free speech is foundational uh, to our Constitution. Uh, our founding fathers uh, deemed it to be so necessary that it was the First Amendment. They wanted to clarify that as a foundational statement, that there would be freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Uh, and it's interesting that today we find that that uh, First Amendment is compromised on so many levels, because the fact of the matter is, is that we, the people, are uh, constitutionally ignorant. We we have not stayed on top of our constitutional rights. And uh you know, whether it's uh you know, a lot of people want to blame academia and blame schools for it, but really I, I say it's the totality. It's it's uh has to do with uh you know what's happening in the family units and that is that we're not talking about you know, about these freedoms and really having a robust discussion. Yes, certainly, even in uh, academia, uh, the conversations are squelched. And I was reading something uh, here from, uh, uh, this was something that we addressed a couple of weeks ago on our show. And this came from a a opinion research poll from Real Clear Politics. It said 47% of Dems say free speech should be legal only under certain circumstances. Think about that. 47%. And you know, it's half the country. I mean, no wonder we're so divided because uh, you know, people somehow are threatened when others are having a conversation, but we know experientially, even through the history of this great country that we enjoy, is that we're better when we have an open venue in which to work through ideas. Yes, some of them may be wrong headed and they may be silly, but look at. I'm sorry if you're offended, but if we can get to the other side and work through it, we're going to come up with better solutions, aren't we?
1: Right, absolutely. And uh, Mary and I were just talking about that um, survey that you mentioned um, a little bit ago, and we wondered, what is the alternative to free speech? If if, um, free speech is looked at as a threat or somehow that should be suppressed and managed or under only certain circumstances, can you think or talk about something? Um, What, what does that lead us toward and why is it that somehow the idea of freedom is being attacked and marginalized Use a word uh, from the left. So um, do you have any insights into that? Like what is, why is freedom somehow now that um, the, the boogeyman,
0: well, it's the highest calling that God's given us, right, to be free. And mm-hmm. uh, and this is where we are. We're in a post-Christian world where when I was growing up, 90% of the country believed in God. Now we're down to what? I don't know, maybe 69, 70% roughly. Uh, so that that's a huge statement right there. Uh, and our freedoms come from God. And, uh, mm-hmm. and and so when you have that in conflict, uh, you know, that that's a no starter right off the bat. And uh, people are easily offended. I mean, I, I had said a while ago on the show that truth no longer is a defense. Truth has become an offense. It's been offensive to people. And, and that's sad. Because uh, the truth needs to pre- prevail. I mean, it, w- what happened is the, the culture went through this trans- transformation of uh, being sensitive to my feelings. I get a performance trophy just for showing up, you know, merits out the door, mediocrity is welcomed in, and all this this uh, plays into the hands of a mediocre society. That is not the heart, that's not the DNA of America, because again, we start with uh, being blessed by God for a higher calling and when you step away from that and you disconnect from that moorings those moorings and the anchorings of of said connection then you start seeing things according to your own eyes you come up with your own definition of what truth should be and then uh then the next thing you have is a government uh compelling people to say things in a certain way and look what happened in the 2020 elections to this day that 71 uh, percent of America says I don't I don't believe in it. I don't believe in the results. I don't know. There hasn't been direct evidence, although I I think some people could argue there's a lot of evidence. They just don't want to see the truth.
2: Yeah, well, so I think it's not just in America, too. So we have this amazing foundation of our inalienable rights that are God given. They're not given to us by man. Um, the rest of the world doesn't have this. And yet they borrow that sentiment from us and do believe uh, in free expression. And in fact, in a, in a a document that was just released today called the Westminster Declaration,
1: mm-hmm. this,
2: this was written by a group of 138 scholars, public uh, intellectuals, journalists across a political spectrum. So it doesn't even matter what party you're from. Right um, that have issued a strong call warning the public of the censorship industrial complex, which is a term that has arisen out of this all of mm-hmm. this, and urging governments to dismantle it in the name of the first liberty, freedom of speech. And yeah, isn't it? And the, yeah. their their first quote, because they can't rely on unalienable rights, right? They don't right. Have it yeah. We don't. can't bring,
0: can't bring God into this. Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, They just quote though, open discourse is the central pillar of a free society. Well, I mean, if, so if you don't have unalienable rights to lean on, then that would be the next best statement. Mm-hmm. Um, because those two go together you can't have one without the other Mm -hmm. and i just find that quote that you mentioned earlier um how can the people who believe that think of america as an open and free society if the government's solutions are to discriminate viewpoints censor voices compel speech um and really nudge or coerce self-censorship yeah how well, it's not, it's
0: not even nudging. It's become weaponized, Mary. Yes. That's that, that's, that's the insane thing about all this, whether it's college campuses, workplace environments, this sort of thing. Uh, it's all become weaponized. But the mm-hmm. thing is, you know, as I was listening to you talking, and, and I'm thinking, you know, let's take a look at marriage, for example. Okay, you don't allow the spouse to, uh, to exercise freedom of speech in the relationship. What happens to that relationship? It ends. You got a lot of frustration until yes, it it ends sadly. Mm-hmm. So that's a little. That's kind of a microcosm of the dynamic of free speech. And the thing is, is yet yeah, look at free speech. The times, just as you're reading, you know, from uh, Justice Brennan, can be uncomfortable, especially when you're in leadership. You don't want to be held accountable. You get this elitism that goes on, which is permeated our society uh, at measures that you and I never before could have thought possible. But this elitism that exists in our country today is crippling our government and it is interfering with the proper service, uh, service and uh, execution of our constitutional rights and their responsibilities.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, at the top that Bill is a, in introducing Belly as a solutions-oriented person. Um, I think that we do need to help our listeners and our members sort through all of this because they're so intimidated. And you're right, this elitism comes from the fact that the people haven't been participating in the business of the people. They haven't been showing up, leading these elected Mm -hmm. to believe somehow that just because they're elected, now they're in charge. Right. (laughs) And in fact, they're not.
0: Look Look at journalism today, Mary. you got roughly 29 elite colleges that the journalists in America come from. 29, okay? That is a closed society. And they're all being taught the same thing they're being indoctrinated to look at journalism in a certain way it is not like the years when i was growing up with the likes of walter cronkite and dan rather and others even though dan rather made a mistake along the way but we're only human uh, but nonetheless it seems that the system is rigged right now and there needs to be a clearing out there needs to be some leadership even in journalistic circles to be able to come out and say look at this is unacceptable you know it's okay to have an opinion, but keep it on the opinion page. But give us the news. We need to have you holding the government accountable. I mean, we're 33 trillion dollars in debt. Why? Because you're missing an action. You are not fulfilling uh, what the First Amendment has protected you to do, and uh, and it's at our expense. We now own the debt, and we're now on a national security level so greatly vulnerable that in some cases it's pretty scary i think and uh, and this is just you know just one case in point but those 29 colleges that are producing i think 90% of the journalists today they all have they all believe in you know what Diane Feinstein would say that your dogma runs deep in you the dogma runs deep in these journalists and it's all consistent and it's all a a a soft I would say a soft sense of censorship that they're exercising.
1: Well, one of the things I really um, appreciated in this declaration that was just released is that they equate free speech to a human rights issue. And so I think when you're looking at um, opening dialogue with people in your community about free speech and the importance of it, that is a really great parallel to make that if you care about human rights, and you you are working against oppression. You want to um, create a free society. Well, free speech is at the heart of that. And so I really like how they illuminated that and um, mm-hmm. brought that to the forefront of their um, their convictions as far as free speech and open society goes.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, look at the response to Elon Musk when he bought Twitter, right? Yeah. Because all of a sudden we had a domain. That clearly, I mean, after the 2020 elections, it became real obvious it was compromised. And we didn't even realize to what degree until we saw the emails afterwards and found out our government had interfered, right? FBI uh, squelching news reports and all these other things. Uh, and this was uh, really sad. I mean, because when you really think about it, uh, social media interfered with the election of 2020. And uh, I want my money back. I want them to pay me. They owe me. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's like created great harm.
0: (laughs) Oh, without, maybe we can send them, how about if we just send them our gas bills, right? Okay. We'll send them our electric bills. Say, thank you very much.
2: You know how we're all, we do often, talk about, you know, what are the solutions for citizens? What are the actions they can take? I think today we should give the government some ideas (laughs) about how they need to curtail.
0: But will they they listen, though? I don't
2: know, but we can get out there and give people ideas that, you know, will communicate to their representatives that, hey, you know what? Censorship is not okay. Coercion is not okay. Um, And the counter to this as... Kimberly alluded to at the very beginning, is more speech. So if the government um, can't use censorship to drive its propaganda or drive its agenda, uh, whatever that is, and we know there's a lot going on there, um, then you know what? Counter, put up facts that support your position and let the people decide, Mm -hmm. right? And the fact that they don't do this, well, what does that tell us?
0: Well, the fact is right now, we're, there's a call for courage right now, Mary. I mean, you think about what the government did with, let, let's just say the J6 political prisoners. You know, uh, mm-hmm. there's a friend of mine. He's been in jail for over a thousand, thousand days. He just celebrated his 1000th day. I think he told me that, uh, over half of that time has been spent in solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and and his speech is being curtailed. And basically because I asked him, I said, Jake, what 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 gives, you know, what are they waiting for? He says they're waiting for me to, uh, you know, to recant on my support of the America First uh, agenda and Donald Trump. If I do that, they'll let me out of jail because clearly all the other J6 prisoners, their sentences have been uh, for those that recanted. And did what Hillary Clinton, you know, put out? If you remember, I think a couple of weeks ago she said that, uh, you know, her basket of deplorables. You know, we the people, people who believe in America first and the Constitution, that we need to be set aside and maybe sent to some sort of camp and be re-educated. And uh, in some senses, I mean, when you listen to the radical left and the Marxists that are involved in our government, uh, which again is all coloring the patina of, of our society in the marketplace and the, uh, the venue of free speech, they self-indict, they will tell you what they intend to do. And that's pretty scary that, uh, that she would speak this out. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, former secretary of state, we're talking a New York Senator. We're talking the first lady of the United States, uh obliterating our constitution and talking that kind of nonsense i mean this is the dangerous part where we are so this is why uh like in any kind of counter-revolution it it requires courage yes everybody says okay i don't want anybody to get hurt of course we don't want anybody to get hurt but uh you know what happened in the first revolution
1: you had to stand up you had to fight
0: Yeah. I mean, there is a, there's a cost to be paid here. Yeah. And so courage needs to be the order of the day, a vision, you know, out there, people need to understand the vision and, and not, not to be, you know, just so emotionally reckless and, uh, you know, know know what, you know, don't, you know, like I, I was saying to you earlier, uh, Mary and Kimberly that, you know, don't just take our word for it. Hopefully what we're sharing with you motivates you enough to own your own knowledge. Uh, You know, don't just rely on talking heads. uh, You know, these uh, newsrooms today that are controlled by, you know, three major corporations. And this is why when you go from one, you know, one uh, channel to another, you go, wow, I thought I just heard that. It's interesting. You know, the talking points, they're so similar. Well, it's because those newsrooms are controlled by three major corporations that, uh, I don't know, they're worth about $30 trillion, so or they control $30 trillion of assets, so they wield a heavy hand and control over, and they own stock in these media agencies, so they're telling them what to say. So again, you've got to do a dive. you got to understand what you're dealing with, understand who the enemy is. And the enemy are those people that want to censor and take away our right to free speech because it's not even in their best interest, but they don't know it. They're so ideologically fixed, as Jordan Peterson says, that they've rendered themselves stupid. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's up to us to, you know, carry the day and and save them for their own recklessness.
2: So, Bill, what you're saying is we have to stand and deliver with courage. Amen.
0: There you go funny where did we get that from
2: <laughs> it,
0: it, well there always has to be that there, there's you know it's that activation but you know at the end of the day what did you produce right and that's the challenge I mean you you think of 300 and what do we got 340 million Americans the cumulative intelligence of the body of Americans who are you know that believe or want to still believe in the American idea that's an awesome power. And if we can be united, okay, this is why I don't stress party. I'm not about a Republican or Democratic part about the United States of America. That's what brings us together. It's kind of like what's happening in Israel right now. What do they do? One of the first things they do, they, they did was they said, we're going to unite. We're letting the parties go. We understand that we're at war and we've got to unite under the banner of war. Well, America, really, we're, we're kind of in a similar position here. Uh, but we just haven't got the memo. And the leadership is not there to say, "Hey, look! It's not about uh, it, it, it's not about a political party. It, it's not about you know one person. It's about this American idea that our founding fathers put together that was to be a blessing for all of us, for the we, the people. And when we, when we work that system, everybody does well."
1: So, Bill, I wonder. Um, What your take is on things like emergency orders, then emergency um, declarations where, um, you know, like we saw in COVID that uh, certain censorship happened. So and that certain rights had to be curtailed in in name of the whatever emergency is at hand. And so Mm -hmm. um, what would you say to um, free speech in a situation where an emergency is at hand?
0: Well, first of all, is it really an emergency? It wasn't an emergency. OK, so they violated. See, this is what the political elites do and is how weaponized. OK, they redefine what an emergency is. In order to have an emergency that they they declared, it means that there has to be no other solution in the marketplace for covid. Right. There were Uh-oh. solutions out there. They chose to ignore it. They turned it in and they turned our constitution upside down. Emerge- emergency authorization use, the way our founding fathers had envisioned it, that it would be very rare because what happens when you open up that door, it is at the expense of our freedoms. And and what happens, whether we're talking the Patriot Act after 9-11, have we gotten any of those freedoms back? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No. No. covid uh, we, we have we gotten those freedoms back? It's, it's hard fought. I mean, I got to tell you in some, uh, y- you know, with the TV show we do in some of the channels, I can't talk about COVID. We'll, we'll get, we'll get canceled. We'll get squashed. We get, uh, we get set aside. We get put on timeout. And, and the thing is, is I'm not talking COVID conspiratorially. I'm bringing on experts, doctors, I, a group of doctors down in, uh, in, in uh, Southern California, they were guilty of saving over 10,000 lives, 10,000 people that they had cared for during COVID. Not one went to a hospital, not one went on a ventilator, not one of them died. And for that, uh, the state of California called them up to Sacramento and put them in the star chamber, threatening their their medical license. Is that insane?
1: So it is. And, and so I think that's a really great um, way for people to, exercise their action at the local level which would be to investigate their um city charters their state constitutions and how it relates to emergency declarations so that they can um, put in place these Mm um uh you know uh
0: these mandates yeah that they're not going to
1: be putting these in place during an emergency that our freedoms are still in place regardless of the um emergency
0: Exactly. Now, I I, uh, I get real nervous with things like that. Whenever you give the government a gun and take away your guns, it's just like you're leaving yourself defenseless. And uh, they've taken full advantage of this time. And again, you know, power can't help itself. It wants mm-hmm. absolute power. It, it just gravitates to that level. It, it's not restrained. The thing that restrains them are, are the people.
1: Yeah. And I think that answers the question we had before about if. Open and free society freedom isn't the ideal than what is, and I think it's what you just said it's power. Yes. that power is what um, people are after, not freedom.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and and that's the sad commentary of where we are right now. We have uh, career legislators, not uh, not citizen legislators, which is what our founding fathers had hoped would have. You know, they would come to DC. DC has become uh, a hive of corruption. Uh, Because it's all concentrated in one area. I mean, think about it. In Washington, D.C., 90, what, 94%, I I will say this politically, so I'll come with a warning. But what, 94% of Washington, D.C. votes for one party over another. I mean, there's just, that. that's not, that that right there should tell you, you know, that should be a big warning flag to say you got a problem. And and you got all these people there. And then uh, a concentration of wealth in, what, six of the zip codes around D.C.? Yeah. And, and and what do they do? Is there any productivity that's coming out of D.C.?
1: Right.
2: Well, no. this is why at CFFS, we really focus at the local level, because that's right. where the people's power is. Yes. And a lot of what comes down from the federal government and even the state government can be intercepted at the local level. But mm-hmm. not if people don't get up and exactly. talk <laughs> right. and and claim that inner knowledge. Um mm-hmm. And wear criticism as a badge of honor, as Victor right. Davis Hansen says. So, exactly. yeah. And, and, and not
0: be, and that not that be happened. intimidated to speak up at these school board meetings and, uh, and, and run the risk of being arrested. Uh, you, you know, it's just, I, it, there's a price to be paid, sadly. And, and the, and the reason we're paying more of a price is the difference between, I, I say grief to happiness is because we have, we've waylaid, uh, activation. We, we've we put it off. And the further down the line you put off, it's like that old Pennzoil commercial says, you can pay me now or pay me later. Uh, the, you know, the idea is that when you pay later, it gets much, much more expensive, much more complicated. And this is where we are. We've missed the mark for a long time, but you're exactly right. I agree with you. The, the change will happen on a local level, happens a lot faster. The reason, for example, that uh, Roe v. Wade got reversed I believe, was because of the uh, organic development that happened at the local level. And I think that this is a great model for what's happening in terms of federalism. And that is we're bringing it back to the state, back to the local level, where these issues uh, you know, can be addressed, I believe, more effectively and, um, and prudently for all concerned.
2: Yeah. And you can intercept the leaders who don't understand this.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: And,
1: and right. Then, that's, <laughs> and that's something that people may want to have um, do as they're vetting candidates in the coming election cycle is to ask them if they would go on the record standing for the First Amendment.
0: Amen. Um, yeah. so. Well, and, and hopefully what you're doing is that, you know, que- that, that'd be a number one question is uh, you're putting together. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a battalion of questions, but maybe it's five, six, you know, uh, the simpler, the shorter, the better that that people keep asking time and time again because wh- what happens is we create a lot of a lot of breadth but not depth. And I think that right now if if again I'm an old Pareto principle kind of guy. You know, <laughs> 20 percent gives you 80% of the yield, right? Mm-hmm. So get to twenty percent of those questions that are gonna be impactful that you empower the voter with, you empower the citizen with and say, hey, this is the question. These are the questions you need to ask. And so when you go to a school board meeting or if you go to a city council meeting, these are the questions that are refraining time and time again uh, that begins to develop a narrative, uh, you know, and a, a basis for conversation. and reinforces what we're trying to accomplish here with our free speech and our freedoms.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bill, we are at the end of our time. We want to um, thank you for joining us. How can people uh, listen to your program and best way to connect with you?
0: Well, BillMartinezLive.com. That's the website. Uh, We're on uh, every day, Monday through Friday, 9 to noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific. And then we do the TV show at 1 o'clock Eastern. Uh, monday through friday we're live at uh, at 1 pm which is really neat opportunity um, because it gives us 50 minutes with uh generally one guest and so we're able to go into a deeper dive on some of these issues that range everywhere from yes the political current events what's happening um, you know some entertainment uh, fun too because we we need to have some fun once in a while, right?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Bill. We're gonna we're gonna drop you off now, and we're gonna finish up with okay. our uh, CFFS um, conversation and leading people Absolutely. to effective activism. So, thanks again. Well, well, again, you.
0: thank you. It's been an honor to be with you. You guys take care. God bless. Okay,
2: thank you. Thank you. So, all right. Great
1: thank conversation. That Mm -hmm. was a great conversation. And as always, we want to remind um, our listeners that they can join us um, and learn how to activate their free speech and um, make an impact at the local level by joining us at localactivist.org. You get to meet with Mary directly um, through our networking and roundtable discussions and she offers coaching. Um, And you can go through the 11-part Citizen Ninja training that really, truly accelerates your grassroots involvement and um, so we really encourage you to come and join us um, there. So, Mary, thanks again for another great episode. And we'll see everyone again next time on Stand and Deliver. Take
2: care, everybody. Stand and deliver.
1: You let them put the fear on you.
2: Stand and deliver. Not a word. You-